Hi, it's Dr. Squee here. I'm here to tell you about my live video podcast event, Squeefest 2020, brought to you by StreamYard. 2 p.m. to 2 p.m. British Summertime, or 9 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern, I will be going live for 24 hours on the Dr. Squee Show Facebook page and twitch.tv slash Dr. Squee to raise money for NHS charities together who are supporting NHS staff and volunteers who are bringing the fight to COVID-19. We will have guest stars including the third Doctor Doctor Who companion Katie Manning. From going live we have Trevor Simon. Stand-up comedian Anuvad Powell will be bringing Mumbai to the event and we'll have so many more guest stars to announce. As well as that we have quizzes, games, panels with authors and ghost hunters. We've also got your favourite podcasts, Retrek, Netheads, Legend in My Spare Time, Due South by Southeast, Unclassical, Dead Piet Society, Talking Codswallop, Diversely Geek, Legend of the Travelling Tardis, Dog's Best Friend and Blaine Makes Food. As well as all that, our friends over at SW20 Radio, The Sound of South Wales, will be broadcasting an hour of Squeefest with our friend Matt Lees. Please follow our Facebook page and at Dr. Squee on Twitter and Instagram for more guest announcements as we have them. All this and so much more. If you can afford to donate, please go to justgiving.com slash squeefest now or on the day and give what you can. And join me for 24 hours of fun. I'll see you there. Hi, you're about to enjoy another wonderful episode of Due South by Southeast. This week, uh, we're going to bring you an interview I did a while ago. I completely forgot I hadn't put this up yet. Uh, this is an interview I did with uh, Stefan Rank, who is the guy behind the Due South events over in America, the over in America, over in Canada, the RCW139 events. Uh, and I just didn't realize I hadn't put this up. I've actually put up subsequent uh, other conversations I've had with him and other bits. And uh, you may see on uh, on our Facebook page, there's a couple of Due South quizzes, which if you haven't seen them, you can sort of play along as you watch. Uh, and I think I actually, at the end of this, I do sort of trail that that's coming up. So please ignore when I say on Saturday there's going to be a live stream because there isn't. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, sorry, Stefan and everyone else, I haven't put this up until now, but I, I thought it would be a good opportunity to put this up because we haven't got a show this week. Uh, what we do have, though, in two weeks, uh, you'll have heard the trailer at the top of this, we've got Squeefest coming up, which is our 24-hour live marathon event. Uh, it's going to have uh, podcasts, it's going to have live interviews uh, with the stars, all sorts. Please check out the Dr. Squee Show page, which is my other podcast where I've been advertising all things Squeefest, and that's going to include another one of our Due South quizzes, which we haven't done for a little while, and it's also going to include uh, a, a standard episode of Due South by Southeast. So uh, please join us for that. Please enjoy this. And um, oh yeah, and uh, also I should mention that this episode was recorded at the beginning of lockdown. So anything which we say, which is um, kind of from a few months ago to say the least, um, is just because of that. So please enjoy. I'm Tony Craig. I play Dracula on Do South. I am Catherine Bruyer. Hey everyone, this is Ramona Milano, otherwise known as Francesca Vecchio. This is Paul Haggis, and you're listening to Do South by Southeast. I wish this podcast would carry me away 
for while talking to squeak yeah. and the shark in the world in edgeways record over a bottle of rum on a darker southampton bay to south that is what we're talking about to south saddle up my microphone get deep in baker to South by Southeast. Hello and welcome uh, to a special Juice Up by Southeast. Uh, usually I'd be joined by a couple co hosts and we'd be talking about a different episode of Juice Up. Today we're doing something a little bit different. We're here on Facebook Live. Hopefully we've got loads of juicers uh, tuning in as we speak. I am joined by the man behind the fantastic events surrounding Juicelf, which they do up in Canada. Whenever like, uh, they can pull it together, because it takes a lot of preparation, and he's going to tell us all about exactly what goes into those events. Please welcome, uh, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right, Stefan Raquel. Yes, Stefan, yes. Raquel, did I get close with? Yeah, uh, close enough, yeah. <laughs> oh, go, go, no, correct me, please, it's the only way I'll learn. Yeah, yeah, Stefan Rack. Rack? Yes. Ah, welcome Stefan, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing really well, it's a beautiful day here in, uh, in Goose Bay, Labrador, uh, just, uh, just about midday, uh, how are you doing here? Oh, very well, thank you, and pleasure to speak to anyone who's in a place named after Labradors, or vice versa. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to find contact with you, John has been so generous with kind of being in contact and telling us all about the events, but... I thought it would be wonderful to speak to the man who, who kind of like started this all. So uh, just first of all, I mean, actually, let's hear about how did you grow to fall in love with Juice Outfit itself? Sure. Um, well, you know, Juice Outfit played, uh, originally played uh, for the first time in the 19, mid-1990s. Um, and uh, it was, as I think as many people know, uh, one of the highlights about Juice Out is it was the first Canadian-produced television show to be shown in prime time. Uh, on any of the big three United States uh, channels, CBS, uh, ABC, NBC, right? Um, so there was a lot of, you know, when it first came out uh, in, the, in the mid-90s, there was a lot of attention paid to Juice Out in Canada. Uh, and I remember uh, sort of paying attention to, to what was going on. I remember reading in the, in the newspaper about this show called Juice Out that was really, uh, you know, a, a hit in the United States. And again, sort of the, the whole history behind it. So I was really curious about what it was about, uh, and you know, the description about this, you know, this mountie going to the to the United States, kind of like this, you know, fish out of water premise. Yeah. Uh, which I I thought was, you know, that sounded interesting. So I thought I'd check it out. Um, and uh, I think I'm pretty sure the first episode that I watched was uh, actually Chinatown uh, from the first season. Great episode. And, uh, you might you might remember Chinatown. Uh, for those viewers that remember it uh, as well, um, there's this you know haunting scene with the music of uh, Lorena McKenna that's playing in the background. It's a song called uh, Prospero's Speech, and that song plays when, uh, I don't remember uh, his name, but uh, the, the one character is bringing uh, the box to, uh, to the bad guy, and he's just walking down the street, and then there's that song that's playing in the background. And I remember seeing that and, and hearing that and thinking, wow, I mean, there's something really powerful about this show and, and how this show is using uh, is using music. So I thought, you know, I'd, I'd watch more of it. And 
watched more episodes and really came to uh, really came to love it. Uh, that you know the quirkiness of the show, uh, the the humor, uh, the, the kind of humor that's you know plays on the Canadian American stereotype, but you know not too much. Uh, and then you know there's a sort of a dramatic aspect to it, but there's a comedic aspect to it, and it's just very you know this 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 blend that's being made that's I think right on a, a very fine line because if you go one way or if you go the other way uh, it can be uh, it, it doesn't work but if you, if you do it just right then it, uh, it it actually does work and I think that's what uh, uh, that was one of the reasons why you South uh, worked so well uh, and then and then I guess one more thing is the show seemed to be you know at its essence it's a show about friendship right you know friendship between you know the cop and the mountie um, and, uh, and 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 that that aspect just sort of comes out, you know, behind the scenes, behind everything that's uh, that's going on. And I just thought it, it just really worked well together. It's, I guess one of those rare shows where you know you put all these elements together, and, and it just really worked well. I do want to talk about some of those elements in just a second. Just give me one second though. Uh, I notice we're a bit light on the kind of views. I'm just going to check uh, just to share this out on the uh, Due South group just to bring some more people in. Yeah, of course. Excuse me. I may have opened this up on my personal page by accident. That might be why. So just give me one second. Sorry about this. Yeah, no worries. Oh, it looks like we might be going out. Uh, one second. I think I can find this. Sorry for anyone who's watching here. Ah, uh, yeah, sorry. I've actually gone into my page here. Let me just go into uh, share this with yourself. So anyone who's joining us from my Dr. Squishy page, I'm sorry, I've opened this on the wrong page by accident. <laughs> I thought I'd gone into the right one, but... Uh, this is the pleasures of going alive sometimes, people. You end up in the wrong group. <laughs> well, you do if you're me. Uh, but what I, I find wonderful while I'm just doing this, so excuse me for not making eye contact for a second, but uh, is some of the stuff that you've mentioned there. It, it, there is this wonderful thing with yourself of just finding the right tone between those comedy and also those um, kind of more serious blends. And also uh, that thing of the music as well. That's one of the things which, to me, makes it so enduring. It's not only those mixes of so many things, but it's like just, just the music just is so on point and, and just all blends wonderfully. Well, there's a real, you know, there's a real genius behind it into, into putting all of this together and again, putting all of this, all these pieces together so that it actually works because as I'm sure you can imagine, uh, you could try and do something similar and, and, and it just goes off the rails because you, you're not doing it in the right, uh, you're not doing it in the right way. And, you know, a lot of, uh, as, as I've learned uh, by doing the conventions and, and some of the guests that we've had and some of the comments that we've had from the guests, you know, uh, a lot of the credit to that goes to uh, goes to Paul Haggis. Uh, yes. And, uh, and, you know, many people have mentioned he's, he's a real, you know, he, he was the real brain uh, and, and the real genius behind, you know, bringing this together in a way that it works. Uh, and if you think about, you know, if you think about Paul Haggis and if you think about Due South and some of the, you know, the first, uh, the first couple of seasons in particular, but some of the, you know, some of the guests that you see on the show, you know, yeah. uh, Ryan Felipe, um, uh, Carrie Ann Moss, uh, you know, all, all, all those, those people that, you know, a few years later uh, become, you know, quite, uh, quite prominent stars in, uh, in Hollywood and in the film industry. Uh, and they were guest actors, you know, uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo and, and people like that. You know, they were guest, uh, they were guest actors on uh, on Juice Out. Uh, and uh, and uh, I think uh, I think Paul Haggis had a real eye for for picking people out and, and understanding how they would work together. 
Um, you mentioned the music. I mean, the idea of having uh, uh, someone like Jay Semko, uh, and, and it wasn't just Jay Semko, I mean, it was Jay Semko, Jack Lance, John McCarthy, you know, the three of them together. And uh, Jay Semko spoke to that uh, at length at, uh, at at least one of the conventions, which was this this idea of bringing three people like that together and saying, okay, you know, you guys go figure out and, and, and you do the score instead of having one person do it uh, was something that hadn't really been done before. Uh, and uh, and Jay speaks to the fact that he was like, okay, how do, how do we how do we do this? And then they just got working together and they were all real professionals and all really good at what they were doing. And then, and then you put them together and again, you know, magic comes out, right? Yeah, because I think there's a lot of things which are done in yourself which were maybe done in other places, but it's the blend. It's like uh, managing to get that. Like, so you mentioned the fish out water story, which is something which always uh, springs to my mind when I think of Juice South. But then there's also the kind of relationship between Ray and Benny, where they kind of play off each other so wonderfully. And they're allowed to learn. They don't like just stick in their lanes of Ray is the kind of like more wild cop and, you know, kind of perhaps is, will cut corners if he needs to to get things done. But uh, Benny is always the moral centre of it. But they kind of do learn from each other, and they are changed by the end of the show or by the end of their kind of own individual arcs. Well, absolutely. And, and again, you know, uh, I mentioned it before, and in fact, it's uh, sort of an element that leads to, you know, why are, I like to think, anyways, why did the conventions that we organise work so well? But uh, you know, it, the show itself, again, there's that underlying uh, theme of it's about friendship. It's about, you know, it's about people um and uh, i don't i think that one of the reasons why juice.org works so well is that that understanding that there's that you know fundamental theme of friendship is never lost throughout the show so you know you have a variety of episodes that talk about or, or that describe you know so many different sorts of situations some more you know some more dramatic than others uh some more serious than others uh but Again, throughout all this, what's the constant? Uh, and, and the constant is this, this theme of friendship between the main characters. That's excellent. Um, just for anyone who's tuning in here on the Dr. Squeeze Show page, which is my, uh, uh, my podcast, which is a general interview one, to be honest with you, I've opened up the stream on the wrong page. This is Due South Talk with the guy who does the Due South Conventions. I hope you're enjoying this, and please do stick with us. It's going to be a fun little chat. If you ever watch Due South, it's great. If you're watching this on the G-South pages, that's what happened. That's why this video is coming from that page. We'll all be fine, though. It's great, good chat, and I will share it out everywhere else later as well. <laughs> so just to catch everyone up with my general incompetence, but that's fine. It's all good. It's, it's bank holiday Monday. Why put pressure on ourselves? It doesn't matter anyway, but it's, it's, a, it's, a fun, it's a fun watch for anybody who's watching. So Exactly. We're just going to shoot the, the, the people on Monday, on Bank Holiday Monday. Is it Bank Holiday Monday over there, or does it have a different term? Uh, we, we don't call them Bank Holidays. I mean, it's Easter Monday here, and it's a, it's a, it's a day off uh, at, the, at the federal level, I guess, uh, if you want to look at it that way. In, in any case, given the, uh, uh, the situation with, uh, with coronavirus and, uh, and COVID-19, there's certainly been uh, uh, less activity uh, just in general, right? So, uh, But yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a holiday today. Yeah, we didn't think that six feet was enough. He's in Canada, I'm in the UK. That's how cautious we are being about the virus. So, uh, getting on to the events then. Uh, so, yeah, you're obviously a huge fan of the show. What gives you the first idea that you can run a convention about yourself? And again, anyone who's watching on the Dr. Squeeze show page, this guy runs an event about like something which I think... 
I get that there is a kind of following for due south, but it, I think there was a lot of faith that you'd be able to kind of gather together all those fans of something which doesn't, wouldn't necessarily usually have a convention. Yeah, so um, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll correct you on one thing. I wasn't the one that actually started Ooh. the convention. But other people, other people uh, need to be given credit on that. Please. Uh, and the first, the first RCW one three nine convention was organized in nineteen ninety six. Uh, so you know, almost twenty five years ago. Um, and and what happened is, so I think uh, you're probably familiar, and, and I think most people are familiar with. Uh, how the show had its ups and downs during its original run in the 1990s, right? So yeah, it started off really strong, uh, and then for a variety of reasons, uh, um, got preempted uh, in uh, on the U.S. channels, and that caused you know a, a, a less viewership. And because of that, the show was uh, was essentially canceled after its first season, uh, so it was not renewed for a second season. But uh, it had such a uh, uh, such a following that uh, the fans decided to get together and say, "Hey, you know, we're going to do something here. We want this show back on the air. Uh, what are we going to do?" Uh, and uh, mid '90s, I mean, the early, fairly early days when it came to the internet, when it came to you know widespread use of email, that kind of a thing. So the fans back then, what they decided to do is to organize this email writing campaign and, and letter writing campaign as well, but mostly through email to CBS, uh, which was the uh, U.S. broadcaster that uh, that showed the show, uh, and say, hey, you know what? This is a great show. We want to see it back on the air. You got to change your decision. Um, and and this campaign was ultimately successful, uh, and uh, so the show was renewed for a um, a, a mid season replacement during the second season uh, or the following year, which became you know the start of season two, um, and then the show got canceled again. For <laughs> uh, its second cancellation, uh, same thing happened. The fans said, "We're not going to take this. Uh, we want the show back on." Uh, and they did another sort of you know campaign through the internet uh, to try and get the show renewed, which again ultimately was successful. Now that was a little, little different after season two because uh, what happened is a number of international broadcasters, such as the BBC, uh, such as uh, you know Germany and, and Canada and, and so forth, got together to fund the show. Uh, and this is what happened, what became you know season three and four with with Paul Gross in the lead, Paul Haggis. Uh, pretty much removed from the show at that point, yeah. um, and, and a number of changes, including, of course, the, 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 the most of all known of changes, which is uh, which is uh, Ray to uh, Ray to Ray K or, or Kowalski. Yeah. Uh, so you know, but but we ended up with a you know final sort of uh, third, or depending on where what what country you're from, third and fourth season of the show, uh, which which gave some finality to uh, to the show. Um, do, do you know what the, what the kind of reason is for that, for the kind of like split of series? Because that, that's always kind of, or seasons, sorry, because uh, that's always kind of bewildered me. There's three three seasons here, but it's four seasons in other countries. Why, why did it go like that? I think it was, I think, I don't know all the details, but I think it's a question of, of how it was licensed and how it was played. Uh, and, you know, there was, what, 20, 20 some episodes, I think, in the last, uh, in, in, in the last season. Uh, but then, in some countries, they decided to uh, to show it out over two years in two different blocks of time, and therefore called it seasons three and season four. Uh, so, in, in the end, it's you know all the same 
episodes, just depending on yeah. how they uh, originally show them, right? Yeah, I just love that there's something just, just so juiced out about it that, you know, it, it's got such a kind of like a weird and wonderful history, we'll, we'll choose to call it, that it kind of yeah. like, it can't even agree how many series it's got from one country <laughs> to another. Well, the show is, the show is certainly quirky, so uh, you add, add that to another one of the quirks, right? Um, so I guess the one thing that happened is because the fans got connected through the internet uh, uh, to try and keep the show on the air, uh, they developed you know, a number of different relationships, uh, and they used to chat on, uh, on a variety of platforms. One that was very popular at the time that still exists today is called the IRC chat, Internet Relay Chat. Uh, so back then there was a channel, you know, for due south and people would go there regularly and there was mailing lists and there was uh, web rings and there was, you know, all these kinds of wonderful things to connect people together, again, back sort of in the early days of the internet. And somebody back then said, hey, you know what, we're all connected together uh, through the internet, why don't we, you know, organize some kind of event so that we can actually meet in person and have some fun. Uh, and that's what became the first RCW-139 convention, which was held in 1996 in Toronto. Uh, it was a relatively, you know, I wasn't there, actually. Um, I did not know about the convention at that point. Um, and uh, it was, a, from what I hear, it was a you know, relatively simple event in terms of how it was organized. Uh, there was a sort of a fancy dinner. It was fairly loose, you know, bring people together, do a few activities together, that kind of a thing, you know, meet. Uh, visit some filming locations because, as uh, I think, as you know, as many people know, uh, Dusat was filmed in Toronto. Uh, so lots of filming locations to be seen in Toronto. That's always something that uh, that interests people. Um, and uh, and the event was very successful. So after they did uh, RCW 139 in 1996, and and of course RCW 139, uh, when they when the, the organizers looked at naming the event, they said, you know, what what could we name it? And uh, RCW 139 is that recurring license plate that you see on uh, on a number of cars uh, in due south, uh, and they decided to name it after that, which I think is actually quite a great idea. I, I think it's genius, but I kind of love the, um, there's sort of like, I don't want to say bloody mindless because that sounds negative, but there's kind of a thing of like, like not only due south is kind of something which might be seen as niche. And then to, to have an obscure reference to name it after as well, it's so much challenging people to find it. I just love that kind of like, uh, no, this is a reference. If you're going, you'll get it. If you're not, you won't. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, and then so after that, after this convention, the organizers decided, hey, let's organize another convention. And that was 1997. Uh, and this was a bigger event, so uh, RCW 139, and at that point they said, you know, we got to di differentiate between RCW 139 in 96 and in 97, and not just, you know, the year, so what are we going to do? So then they said, okay, let's call it, let, let's put like a little uh, moniker to it, a little subtitle to it, uh, and RCW 139 in 1997 was called Do It Again. Um, and, um, nice. And, and, that, and that was a bigger event, it was a, uh, I think it's a four-day event. Uh, so it'll start on a Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, into the weekend with a number of organized activities. So a lot more organization to this one. Uh, guests for the first time. So actors, cast and crew from the show actually somewhat were invited and attended. Uh, and of course, 1997, uh, at that time, the show was still airing. Uh, that was the, the last season or, or the last two seasons. Again, maybe we'll go back to that discussion yeah. of the show. The show was still airing, uh, so it was sort of still kind of prime time, right? 
So lots of people uh, attended that event. Uh, I wasn't there again. Uh, I did not attend that event. Um, and, uh, and and a very successful event uh, that occurred. Um, so after after the convention was done, again the organizers said, "Hey, let's you know let's do this again." Um, so that that tenth game, RCW went to a nine in 1998. Um, and so that was again thinking about the timing. That's when kind of the show finished airing, right? Yeah. Um, for the first time, its original run. Uh, so still kind of prime time, but now you're still you know talking about uh, a little bit of a decline uh, in terms of uh, the show itself. But on the other hand, lots of people interested, and some people you know uh, learning about the show for the first time as well. Uh, so that was a probably that was I think the biggest uh, RCW Winter International Convention. That's the first one that I went to uh, in 1998. So it was a 40 event again, uh, and again lots of different kinds of events uh, with uh, with games, with discussion panels, um, with some episode viewing, uh, a big you know sort of fancy dinner, uh, a charity auction, uh, various guest panels. David Marciano attended that one. Uh, Tom Melissus, uh, Jay Semko, uh, a variety of uh, directing and pr- uh, production staff. Uh, Draco, the uh, Deepen Baker, uh, came to that uh, as well. So, so, you know, really, really exciting event. Uh, as I recall, there was probably somewhere in the vicinity of, you know, 300 to 350 people there. Uh, I had a lot of fun, uh, met a variety of different people, and it's just a very, you know, it was a very positive event uh, overall. Speaking of all uh, the, the shout-outs, so who was it who was kind of running those earlier events? And uh, it was a group of, again, as a group of fans that, group. Uh, uh, that, that, that had gotten together and, and that had sort of taken the lead on that. Uh, some of the people that, uh, um, uh, some were, you know, people that became friends of mine uh, as well. Uh, and uh, they had a little organizing committee with various people from around the world. Uh, and if you think about it, I mean, uh, lots of credit to these to these guys, yeah. to these guys and gals, for for organizing that uh, uh, back in the uh, back in the mid to late nineties. Because you know, one of the things that we have today is it's so easy to communicate with people, right? We have uh, all kinds of uh, uh, all, all kinds of tools. I mean, we have Skype. Uh, we have collaborative tools like you know Slack. It's easy to send files through email uh, or through you know whatever whatever product you want to use, right? It's it's really easy to collaborate yeah. from across the world. Uh, one of the biggest things, money, right? It's really easy to handle money nowadays. You have services like PayPal. You have you know these kinds of things. We didn't have that back in the uh, back in yeah. the nineties. Yeah, so, so I can, if I can jump in, that's what's kind of like amazing to me. It's one thing, I remember those kind of letter-writing campaigns which we've done for all sorts of things, and that alone is something to arrange. But then to, to do a convention in this way and for people to, to come together to be able to organise all the disparate things you need to do to arrange a convention, and you've got these fans spread out from uh, around the world, I find it just magical that it, that it could happen in that way. And, and I, think, I think it is. Uh, I, mean, but it, I mean, I guess in some ways it shows the interest and the passion that people had about this show, right? Even though it wasn't very large numbers of people. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, thousands of attendees to these events. You're talking about a few hundred people. Uh, but even though, uh, it, you know, the numbers were a bit smaller, you can tell that there was a lot of 
a lot of passion, a lot of interest. People were really interested in what they were doing, and I think that's what made them happen. But I remember, you know, I, I still remember some of the stuff around the conventions in, the, in 98, and then in 99, which was uh, the last one that was held in the 1990s. After 98, they did another one in 99, uh, and, and Paul Gross attended that one, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, you know, there, you know, people were saying, okay, so, you know, if you're in Germany, uh, send a check for, you know, 30, uh, Dutch marks, uh, I don't think they had the Euro, but, uh, yeah. and then if you're in, if you're in the States, you send $35 US and if you're in Canada, you send, uh, $45 Canadian. And if you're, and then somebody would take those and go to the bank and get the money converted and all this kind of stuff. I mean, wow. I mean, talk about work and, and uncertainty as well when it comes to money, right? I mean, you don't know what the exchange rate's going to be when you actually cash it in. And then, you know, when you have to pay for services and you have to change from one the currency to another and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Uh, but but the guys were the, the guys and gals that organized it were you know, really dedicated and they found ways to make it work and uh, and, 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 and they organized that. Because many people who, who will be uh, maybe joining us from uh, my other show, from the Dublin Squeeze Show, like I've got a lot of friends who are into conventions, uh, kind of sci-fi conventions, and kind of uh, some of which even organized them. And like they're organizing them in modern times just like just imagine that to, to get all these monies in dude, i can't imagine a con now accepting all these monies in different denominations and you know different currencies and then doing the work themselves like but as you say the technology kind of does that work for us now but uh scan these all bit by hand and cashing them in it just it's wonderful and, and, and i mean that's just one example i mean the other example is is nowadays you know again when you try to uh, when you try to book things, like you know, you want you need to book a conference room to organize this event. Then if you're going to do a uh, a tour with a bus, you need to uh, you know you need to book a, a bus and that kind of a thing, right? Yeah. And again, nowadays it's really easy. You send emails, you go on people's, you know, you go on websites. Uh, somebody might call you back. Uh, I mean, uh, it's really there's really no significant cost to doing international or long distance calling, right? I mean, in the big picture, uh, back then that wasn't the case, right? So you wanted to, you know, you wanted to uh, uh, to coordinate something. You picked up your landline and then you called uh, whoever in Toronto. You hoped that they were there when you called them, and then you, you know, you, you just is is just so much more challenging to do these kinds of things. Um, and uh, but but it worked, right? It worked. Yeah. Um, and then as I mentioned in 1999, there was yeah. one, uh, one a fourth or excuse me, one that was held. Uh, Paul Gross came to that one again. A fair enough. Quite a fair amount of people, very similar to the 1998 experience. Uh, I was there in '99 as well, um, and but uh, you could tell that the show was now it was kind of getting you know it it, it already had finished airing. Uh, there was a little bit less interest in it uh, and that sort of a thing. Uh, so a little bit less attendance as well, um, and, uh, and and that was that. And that was sort of the final or what at that time had been you know. Uh, pictured as the final RCW 139 do South Grand Convention because the organizers after that said, hey, we need a break, first of all, which is clearly understandable. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot of work to do this kind of stuff. Uh, and then uh, and then secondly, saying, well, I don't know if there's you know, enough interest uh, to organize a, a, another convention. And, and one of the things to remember is, you know, this is all sort of fan-funded in the sense that there's nobody that's backing, you know, the event. So, 
if if you're out of money, you're out of money, and, and there's you know there's nobody that's going to step in and say, hey, here's a bunch of cash, <laughs> so you can actually so you actually make that work, right? So yeah. people people were taking uh, a bit of a risk there, and then when they saw that uh, the interest was kind of waning a little bit, said, well, I don't know if we want to organize another one. So that they sort of you know there was some hope back then that well maybe maybe 2001 or something like that, uh, and then that just kind of came and went, and, and nothing ever happened. Um, so that's where I kind of came in. Uh, so one of the big things that happened is around 2005 or so, uh, the show got released on DVDs, uh, and DVDs became you know very popular. The market adoption for DVDs was you know very quick from the early 2000s on. Uh, and the show got released on DVDs. And it's, it seemed magical then as well, because previously it was like two episodes on one VHS, and you felt yes. lucky for it. <laughs> then suddenly you've got a whole series on DVD, and it's like just in one set, and just it was magical. Well, exactly. And then and then what that did is it renewed interest in the show. So you had people that uh, had been fans of the show and that kind of you know lost interest or, or moved on to other things instead of losing interest. And then, and then the shows were released on DVDs, and they regained interest. And then you had this whole other group of people who had never heard of the show before, or perhaps just peripherally, and then all of a sudden, they discovered this fantastic new show, right? Uh, and if you think about, you know, perhaps young people as well that uh, weren't old enough in the 1990s when the show first aired, but then all of a sudden discovered the show in the, uh, when, when it was released on DVDs. So you had all these sort of new fans of the show. Um, and, uh, I remember in, I think it was in 2000, yeah, it was in, definitely in 2007. I remember in 2007 thinking to myself, I said, huh, uh, I see that there's, you know, a bit more interest around the show that there has been for, uh, for many years now. Uh, and I remembered back to my first RC Billy Winter Grand experience in 1998. Uh, and I thought to myself, I said, hey, it would be really fun to just like to do one more, to do one more convention. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, oh, and yeah. Sorry, keep on talking. We just had a bit of the TV for some reason, so I just switched oh, to Yeah, I think you're back. You're back. You're back. Um, so um, yeah, so so I said, oh, it'd be fun to organize one more event. Um, so back then, I went to you know a variety of different um, groups where people used to chat about do south. There was a, a there was a forum um, where where you know a lot of people got together and talked about the show. Uh, early days of Facebook as well, so there were people that talked about the show on Facebook, uh, you know, various various other social media that existed at the time, again, still very much in their infancy, uh, but you could tell that there was a growing interest in, uh, in the show. And I sort of pitched the idea, uh, and also pitched the idea to some of the people that I still knew from the conventions in the 1990s, saying, hey, do you think we could organize, like, one more event uh, in 2008? Uh, a RCW 139 convention, uh, and and maybe it would be fun. Uh, and then I had it was the, the responses were interesting because I had a bunch of people that said, "Oh yeah, that sounds so great. I mean, that would be awesome. I'd be there for sure." And then you had about another group of people that said, "There is no way that that is going to work. <laughs> uh, can't do it. There's no way. Forget it. It's not going to work." Which to me was kind of like, "Well, that sounds like a challenge." Um, <laughs> Canadian candy spirit, I like this. Yeah, so 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 we kind of move forward with that, uh, and that's where actually I first met John, uh, who we've talked to a number of times. Yep. Uh, John at that time was running a website 
uh, and I forget the exact title of the website, but it's essentially a website dedicated to having Juice, Juice Up come back on the air. Uh, and he had contacted, he, had, uh, he was in touch with David Marciano in particular and a few other people back then, and he used to once in a while post messages from them uh, and try to get you know, this sort of campaign on the go to, uh, to revive Juice Up and get Juice Up back on the air. So I wrote to John, not knowing him at the time, and I said, hey, that sounds like fun. I don't know how successful this is going to be, but uh, one thing that we could do for sure is organize another fan convention. And I told him about the conventions in the 1990s, uh, and he was interested, and we got along really well. Uh, so, so he joined the team, the organizing team. Uh, so at the time, he was located in the UK. I was located in, uh, in Western Canada. Uh, and then uh, there was a couple of other people that we sort of recruited through various ways to, to try and help us out. Um, and, uh, and started, uh, really, you know, putting plans together for this event, uh, calling, uh, or getting in touch with, uh, uh, you know, hotels in Toronto, uh, and one of the hotels being the same hotel at which RCW139 was held back in the 1990s. So, of course, a lot of the staff there, uh, had changed and did not really remember us, although some people did, which was really interesting. Because uh, uh, hotel turnover of staff at the hotel is usually pretty quick, but it just happened that this hotel uh, had a very, you know, some of the staff had been there for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, uh, and they remembered the group from the 1990s. Um, so the person that I talked to there was really helpful, uh, and, uh, and they put a, a sort of a good deal for us uh, to try and get us, uh, or to accommodate us, I guess, and also to try and get our business. Uh, and uh, and we signed an agreement and and we went forward with uh, with uh, fingers crossed because uh, we made needed to make sure we had enough people that uh, uh, that actually signed up for it to make uh, to make it work well. Uh, but you know we advertised everywhere we could. Um, we uh, I got in, you know I, I looked on the internet for uh, um, for contact information for various cast and crew. Uh, you know, agencies that represented them, that kind of a thing. And I wrote like, you know, 50 letters to various to people and posted that. And, uh, and I got some, phone, I got some phone calls back and some, some letters back and some emails back from people saying, Hey, that would be fun. Um, and, and I still remember one day I was, uh, I had gone away from home for a few days. I came back home. Uh, and uh, and I had a message on my uh, on the answering machine, and it was from Catherine Briere, and she was like, "Hey, Steph, uh, I got your letter. Uh, that sounds great. Uh, I'm, I'm I've been spending more time in Toronto because at the time she was in, in LA and Toronto. So, yes, you know, yeah, yeah. I've been spending more time in Toronto. Uh, uh, it'd be great if it works out. You know, if the dates work out, I'd, I'd be uh, interested in attending. Yeah, just give me a call back, and you know, she gave me her phone number or email." Exactly the details. It's uh, just very, very casual, which is which is kind of funny, but it's very representative of all the um, the, the correspondence and, and, and the relationships that we've had with the cast and crew of the show. Very, very down to earth people. Yes. Uh, very friendly. Uh, you know, not all could attend, or not all necessarily were interested in attending. But on the other hand, they were all very, super friendly, very easy to get along with. Uh, and, and for, again, for the most part, the ones that you know could free up the time and, and were in the right place said, "Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to attend." 
um, it, it would be great. It, it seems like you've got in with the exact right spirit, which is the one which I try and hold. Is like uh, when these people do uh, come and do conventions and things after the fact, it is absolutely wonderful, and that's so nice of them. But they, I, I think, if you just bear in mind, they don't owe you to do that. And but if you if you ask really nicely. They might just come forward and do it. Because I think with some fandoms, you get people who kind of feel like they're, they're owed something by these people. I, I don't think you went in with that spirit, and I think that's kind of very, very helpful. And then there's the G-South um, family from the TV show, just so lovely. Well, and that's ex- I think that's exactly it. I mean, first of all, they're just really lovely people, right? So that's, yeah. I think, is the first thing. Um, uh, so so, so that, that in itself makes it really easy. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't pay them to attend. Uh, you know, we we pay uh, plane tickets and, and hotel rooms for people that were coming from out of town, which of course we should. Uh, but we don't pay them to attend, right? Uh, and and they know that, and and they're doing it completely out of you know their goodwill. But then I think, you know, I, th- I think we forged that relationship, and, and we have that that two way understanding of of how this works. Uh, and I said to people before, you know, one of the things about RCWA-139 and, and, and why does it work is because we're not, uh, you know, I don't think we pretend to be anything that we're not, right? Yeah. Uh, we're just, we're, we're not we're not professionals, but we run it professionally, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, totally. We're, 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 we're relatively small, you know, and, and I've limited the, uh, the attendance to 100 people to those events. Uh, not that only one year did we reach, you know, the cap of 100, but I always said, you know, 100 is, is as, as much as I, I'll take in, and one of the reasons is because, uh, well, there's a couple of reasons, but one of them is because I know that we can handle 100 people. Uh, when you're starting to get, you know, if, if you would get into a, a, a situation where you'd have multiple 100 people, I don't know if I can, you know, I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know that, that we have the uh, organizing team uh, and, and that we have the, the resources to handle that. Uh, and then secondly, there's a, a certain aspect of you know, keeping it small that I think really works for the event uh, because everybody knows each other. Uh, again, the you know the cast and crew get to meet people and they get to have you know these discussions with people. And over the years, they remember people, uh, and uh, and it's part of the whole you know do sounds a show about friendship. Um, RCW 139 is a convention about friendship, right? So it's just about you know relationships and people interacting with each other and seeing old friends and meeting new friends. Uh, and, and in many ways, that is the kind of relationship that we have with the cast and crew that have come to the convention, right? They're, some of them anyway, not necessarily all of them, but you know, a number of them are really our friends. Uh, and they're people that uh, even if, you know, even if it wasn't for the conventions, and, and not just even if it wasn't for the conventions, because I know that, uh, I know that that actually is the case, um, we you know there's still lovely people that we still talk to once in a while, and that uh, uh, if you know if the opportunity is there, we'll still stop by and see them and say hello. You know, so yeah, I I've just never found uh, like uh, any of the cast anything but lovely. They just uh, just so giving. They're always so kind of like keen to tell. I'm sure some of these stories that they they tell they've told a hundred you know th- hundreds of times, but but they're just always so given with their time. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's a, it, it is it is truly amazing, uh, uh, and uh, again, I think it speaks to you know you, you talk to them and they, they tell those stories about their time on Do South, and and most of them, most of them, I'm not going to say all of them, but most of them will speak 
uh, about Dusau as this really special time in their lives, um, about how they've never been on another show where they had this, you know, closeness and rapport with each other. Uh, it was, you know, hard work. They will say that it was a lot of hard work, but they really enjoyed it. They really enjoyed the atmosphere uh, and, and, and the people that they were working with. Uh, and the support that they got from the fans as well, right? Um, so, so it's really, it's really interesting and, and kind of heartwarming to hear that. But I guess it's probably not that much of a surprise to us when you think about it, because I think it really reflects in the show itself. You know, the fact that they had this closeness and that they had this uh, excellent relationship with each other uh, uh, is is reflected in the product that you see on screen. And it sounds like from everything that I've heard that uh, Paul Gross was just so giving, not only as an actor, but then later as the uh, producer of the show as well. Yeah, and, and I think so. I mean, uh, when he took over, well, I think started taking over certainly in the second half of season two, but then uh, very much entirely in seasons three and four, um, I mean, it was a, a completely different dynamic there with Paul Gross at the helm instead of uh, instead of Paul Haggis. Um, but again, you know, very uh, a, a work environment that they all really really enjoyed, um, and uh, and something that uh, you know you think about the the Canadian uh, film and television industry. I mean, it's really not that big. Uh, and, and and again, the, the you know the actors and, and the crew have talked about that in uh, in, in some of their, uh, their their guest appearances at our CW One Three Nine. But you know they all mostly know each other through multiple ways. You know multiple shows. It's not just Do South, but it's other shows. And they always sort of you know yeah. uh, they, they, they'll go their own way for a bit, but then they'll cross paths at some other point. Just because again, it's not that big of a uh, it's not that big of a landscape. Um, and, uh, and I think that kind of, you know, that kind of relationship that you're able to build with the various people, uh, it, it really, uh, it, it really shows when it comes to the, the, the products that you're, that you're putting out. Um, that's so much fun as well as a Due South fan and, you know, coming from, from the UK, like whenever I kind of find another project, which Paul Gross has been in and then. I watch them back, you know, watch it, and then I find all the kind of guest spots by, by kind of his co-stars from Juice South. Like, exactly. I, I love him, Men With Brims, that obviously he's, he's alongside Leslie Nielsen, which was a, a regular guest appearer uh, in Juice South, but also, like, you get a uh, Star pops up, and uh, it's, it's just wonderful to see that. Well, it's, but it's, you know, you just mentioned Leslie Nielsen, and, and that just, you know, triggers something for me. It's it's wonderful, to, I mean, wonderful man, first of all, and everybody that's spoken about him, I've never had the chance to meet him, uh, unfortunately, but everybody that's spoken about him uh, at Juice Out Conventions, so again, the cast and crew speaks to, you know, how wonderful, how giving, how nice it was to uh, to work with him. But, you know, what a, what a, what a strange show, right, Juice Out. I mean, you have guest appearances by somebody like, Leslie Nielsen. Uh, you have, you know, all of those uh, young actors that uh, that appeared, uh, like I mentioned before, you know, Mark Ruffalo and, and Ryan Felipe and uh, and Carrie Ann Moss, and, and there's a bunch of others. That sort of names names escape me right now, but there's so many of them that that sort of pop up throughout the show, and then later on, I mean, they're they're world famous actors or actresses. Um, you have, you know, music by. Sarah McLaughlin, yeah. uh, you have this this mix of comedy and drama. You have 
you know, on, on the on the cast uh, on the crew side, you have people like you know David Shore, right? Um, you have uh, who, who became very uh, very well known. Uh, 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 very, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, they right? went on to do House. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, you have Paul Haggis as as the lead, who, who won uh, you know uh, Oscars and, 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 and is again more you know known known throughout the world for his uh, for his uh, movies. And, and and you have uh, you have some you know sort of much sort of smaller time you know casting crew as well, right? And, and you just mix that all together, and and you're like, how did that you know how did that happen? How did that come together? And yeah. Then of course, the, the the bigger question, how does that work together, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one or two of these kind of stars being juiced out. You could just go, oh well, you know they. They happen to get them on the way up, you know, but or, or you know, or perhaps at a point in their career where they weren't, you know, didn't have so many gigs or whatever. But it's so many of these stars, which like Carrie on Moss, and you get uh, Amanda Tapping. We were like, uh, I was reminded of the other day who went on to be in uh, SG One, and uh, right. so many. It's just, just it's, it's just every other episode you've got this huge kind of it was someone who went on to be a huge star. It's, it's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. No. It's it's, it's again. It's really it, it's really fun. And, and and again, you look at it and you're like, will there ever be another another show kind of like Do South? And I mean, we're all uh, uh, the easy answer is, is is no in the sense that of course it's it's unique show, so there's not going to be another one like it. But you know that this the, the the slightly more uh, elaborate answer is I, I don't know. Uh, just because, again, you're looking at a certain moment in time, uh, yeah. and you're looking at this this unique mix of things that I don't know if you were to do it today, uh, if first of all if you'd be able to, and then secondly whether or not it would, uh, it, you know, it would actually fit together the way that it did back in the uh, back in the mid 1990s. So, you know, I, I think it's one of those things to be the next Due South, you'd have to be completely different from Due South because Due South was something which never <laughs> existed before. You have to find that kind of weird uh, niche of your own and and set up something just so unique and so, quite frankly, bonkers in a wonderful way as Due South was. <laughs> Well, I think so. You know, you're absolutely right, and, and you don't know what that is. I mean, you can't you can't really think about what that is. But yeah, there might be something that comes out in a few years, and you're like, wow, that's that's awesome. That's pretty unique, right? Yeah, it's, um, it shows like that uh, Northern Exposure, which was kind of about the same time, which was equally as quirky and weird. And like yeah. you had uh, now, you've got shows like Arrested Development. These are all shows which kind of like. Just if you put it on paper, it doesn't sound like it. It should it should be as much as it is. I'll put it that way. And it just yeah, no, and I completely agree. And then, and then you know, uh, a show the the other the other part of the show again going back to the, the conventions, right? Is that relationship between the fans, um, between the fans and the show? Uh, and I think we in the Do South fandom, we've been lucky enough to have um, uh, to have that to be able to establish that kind of relationship that we have, and, and not just between the fans and the show, but between the fans and other fans, right? Uh, and I think uh, that's what that's what's made our CW, RCW 139 work. Because we did 2008, uh, and, and, uh, and 2008 was, you know, to, to some people's surprise, a, a great success. Uh, to other people, not a surprise, because we were like, you know what, we know what we're putting together, but... Uh, as I mentioned to you, some people say, well, it's never going to work. There's no way that this is going to work. Don't even try it. You can lose money, uh, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and we still did it. And we managed to, you know, we managed to make it work. And, uh, you know, 2008, we had some 
fantastic highlights. Um, uh, David Marciano showed up, so that was great. Uh, Catherine Grier showed up as well. Jake Senko showed up. We had Cinder, uh, Draco's stunt double, uh, that showed up with, uh, with uh, Gail Parker. Oh, oh Cinder. I, I'm not happy with Cinder. She made me lose a point in the uh, the uh, Due South quiz we did yesterday. <laughs> Those That's pesky right. dogs. <laughs> yes, yeah. So she showed up, and, and uh, she died in 2009. She was the last living dog that had played uh, Diefenbaker, yeah. uh, and we were, you know, I guess the timing was just right in the sense that we got to see her, she was in good shape, she did well, uh, she was just, you know, fantastic to have around and to hear the stories about uh, um, about Cinder and, and, her t- and her time on the show and that kind of thing, right? So we had a great event in 2008, and in fact, after 2008, people said, hey, we need to do it again, we need to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> And we were, back then we were thinking, we said, we just said we're going to do one more convention, right? <laughs> and then people are saying, no, no, you got to do another one, you got to do another one. Uh, and then we kind of looked briefly at doing it again for 2009, and, and uh, it, 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 you know, we were kind of tired, the timelines are tight, right? I mean, it takes about a year's worth of planning to organize this kind of a convention. Certainly in, in, our, in our paradigm of having, you know, four or five people... Uh, that do this on a part-time basis, because this is not our job, right? This is what we do kind of for fun, uh, that are dispersed around the world, uh, you know, organize things, uh, or, uh, buy, you know, what we need to do, what we need to buy for the, uh, the convention bags, organize the events, contact the, the, the cast and crew to see if they want to come, um, uh, sign the contract with the hotel, you know, organize all this kind of stuff. You know, it takes, it takes us about a year to do this, and of course, allow enough people for people, to, enough time for people to sign up. Uh, so we would have been organizing, you know, right after finishing that one, we would have started organizing the next one. And of course, there's some post-convention work that needs to be done, right? You need to close off things. Yeah. Uh, We've uh, we organized a charity auction at each of the conventions, and, and then we need to you know we need to close that and donate that money and finish things you know all this kind of stuff. So we said no way, we're not doing one for 2009. But when uh, when 2000 summer 2009 came around, we said okay, well maybe we could do one for 2010. So we talked about it, uh, and uh, we had you know we had 2008 was I think the hardest in the sense that you had to start almost everything from scratch. Uh, and, and one of the things that I found was very difficult is you have to uh, not only start all this stuff, you had to establish your credibility from zero, right? And that was one of the things that when we organized it in 2008, people were saying, well, why should I trust you? Why should I send you money? Uh, why should I, you know, why should I go to the event? You're just promising that this is going to be a good event, but how do I know it's going to be a good event, right? But also, I, I can imagine with all the uh, wonderful advances we talked about with the internet, there's also a fear with that of all the scale artists and stuff. So it's like with, with great opportunity becomes greater risk for some people in other ways. So it's, uh, yeah. And, and, I mean, they're, and they're fair questions, right? I mean, yeah. I would ask those same questions. If I'm, especially for somebody who's coming from, I don't know, the UK or Australia, uh, and you're probably going to come for more than just, you know, three days of the convention, you're going to come maybe for a week. So you're booking a flight. Uh, you're paying for a hotel, or you're coming to the events. You're, you know, it, it starts to get, you know, starts to add up, right? Uh, so you want to know that you're uh, uh, you're putting your money towards something that's worthwhile, right? Uh, so, so for us, we had to establish our credibility, uh, and not just with the attendees and the fans, also with uh, the 
parts to a crew that we wanted to invite, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they got to know that when, you know, we're going to take care of them, we're not going to send out their uh, contact information to other people, you know, all, all this kind of stuff, right? And then with the businesses with whom uh, we dealt, right? So with the hotel, uh, with the various uh, businesses with whom we bought, you know, items for the, uh, the convention bags, that kind of a thing, they have to know that we're trustworthy and uh, when we say, you know, we're going to pay, we're going to pay and, and, uh, and on time and that kind of a thing, right? So that was the, the hardest part for 2008, right? So establish all the things that we needed, plus establish your credibility with everybody in the community uh, and make that work. So for 2010, at least we had a lot of that that was already uh, put in place. So we said, hey, you know what? It might not be that difficult to, uh, to organize a 2010 event. Um, is, is that one of the things you say and then later on you hear in your head as, it, as it's yeah. all in the mix of it? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things, and one of the things that's, that's the hardest thing about this is uh, you tell people you're going to organize an event and everybody's jumping up for joy and saying, yes, 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 amazing. This is the year I'm attending. This is the year I'm attending. And then uh, you say, okay, perfect. We're opening registration. Time to, you know, it's time for you guys to send, to send us your money because we need the money to make things happen, uh, and then, oh, well, maybe I'm not going to attend, or, <laughs> oh, well, it's a little bit more costly than I thought, oh, the dates don't quite work for me, you know, there's all kinds of people that have all kinds of reasons, yeah. sometimes excellent reasons, right, people get sick, people have, you know, family commitments, things like that, sometimes, eh, not quite as excellent reasons, but, you know, <laughs> people have all kinds of reasons as to why they can't come. Uh, and but we're the ones that have you know contracts signed with you know various various organizations that were, have financial commitments that are made uh, and so forth. So so we need to uh, we need to get people to you know support the event. Um, one of the things that we have done uh, that that was a, a brilliant idea that was started actually back in the 1990s, but which we um, which we refined for 2008 is the idea of these supporting memberships, right? So people that say, well, I can't come to Canada, it's too expensive, or I can't make it for those dates because I have this, uh, you know, this commitment instead, saying, okay, well, fair enough, but, you know, for $75 or whatever the amount was, uh, well, uh, you can support the convention, send us $75, and in exchange, we'll send you a bag full of, you know, uh, interesting do-south uh, items that we've created for the convention. Uh, you might have seen some of these, or John might have talked about some of these, right? Yeah. Um, little keychains or pens or you know autographed pictures, um, uh, replica items from the show. I mean, in 2010, I think we had the replica matchbook from uh, Chicago Holiday. Uh, in uh, it, it, we've had a, uh, I think 2012, we had that you know that postcard is burning down the house that uh, they can light it up to to get yeah, it to show. Yeah, 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 I love that. That postcard. You know those kinds of things, right? Little bracelets and wristbands and things like that. So, so send us send us a little bit of money. Uh, we'll send you that in exchange. So part of the money covers the cost of those items, uh, and then the rest of the money goes towards the convention. So you're essentially supporting the convention even though you can't come. Uh, and we've sold, you know, in I think for 2019 we ended up selling just under a hundred of those. Uh, so I mean that's a significant chunk of money. Uh, plus, it allows us to get around the uh, that whole thing about minimum quantities when you produce items, right? Because you can't just do you know sixty of uh, sixty of those pens. You have to order it in quantities of two hundred. 
so by doing that, we were able to get get around the minimum quantities, plus we raised some money for the convention, uh, and those supporting members uh, who, have, who were not able to attend but who bought these memberships uh, are, are were essential in making the conventions happen, right? Oh, I mean, and, and seeing some of the stuff, like, have we helped uh, John spread the good word, like, for the last convention and afterwards about the goodie bags, and, like, I, I think any any of those goodie bags are usually pretty cool, but it's like, it's usually kind of fairly standard stuff. You already think outside the box and come up with some stuff, which is really cool. Well, we, you know, every year that we've done it, we've been like, okay, what are we, you know, we're, we're out of ideas, what are we going to do this year, right? <laughs> series of items which we like to do you know year over year right so uh, because every year has had like a pen in there well you know we're going to do one each year so you, you know people that collect them over the years can say oh i have the pen from 2008 and 2010 and 2012 and so forth right yeah. um and then and then there's other items which are unique per year and we try to do a variety of things right so i mentioned that whole idea of doing replica items from the show so we try to have at least sort of one of those uh, and then there's the sort of the more sort of trinket items like uh, uh, like a keychain or a fridge magnet or you know or that kind of a thing, right? Uh, and then we had uh, uh, in 2008 I had this idea to create these trading cards, uh, which was a uh, kind of the, the basis behind them was well let's do an, uh, an item for the goodie bags, but at the same time maybe we can use that item. So that it, uh, it it actually helps people break the ice when they get to the convention. So what we do is we had 14 cards, uh, but we gave duplicates to each person. So you you start out, you know, cards one to 14. Well, you don't have one to 14 in your package. You have three of number one, four of number two, uh, three of number six, and then you actually have to talk to other people around the room to trade so that you can complete your set, right? That's cool. So we've done those every single year, right? So 2008, 2010, 2012, and so forth. We've done a set of trading cards. Uh, each had a different uh, a different theme. I think one year we had characters. One year we had the music. One year we had uh, episodes. Uh, and I think 2019 was uh, RCW 139 moments. Uh, and uh, so that's worked out really well. So you know, we really we really do put a lot of thought into uh, what goes into those bags so that they're, you know, it's not just kind of a throwaway. They're really like, you know, people really want them and really want to collect them. Yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. And uh, so, like, the, you, you did all of uh, the events kind of around the time of the TV show, then going out of it. And then there's a few years gap, am I correct in saying? Yeah, so we did. Uh, so we did 2010, as I mentioned, which was a, again, another great event. So 2010, we had uh, we had Paul Grills come. Uh, so uh, so he so he was a bit of a surprise, and we actually had uh, some coverage from one of Canada's national newspapers, the National Post, in 2010, which was really interesting. Um, and uh, and we had a variety of other cast and crew come. We had Jay Semko uh, come with his guitar, and uh, and uh, he actually played the Do Sub theme live. success. Uh, 
Uh, we had uh, uh, plenty of plenty of cast and crew show up, and some and some unique people that we've never seen before. Like you know, somebody like uh, uh, Michael Bowman, uh, you know, assistant director, uh, and it brings an entirely new perspective on Do South. You know, stories that you haven't heard told before, because now they're coming from somebody who's doing you know, directing as opposed to one of the actors, right? So it's a very very different uh, very different perspective. Uh, so that so that went great, and then in 2012, one of the one of the biggest highlights from 2012 is the fact that Jay Sanko again came this year, and Jay Sanko is just so fantastic, and he you know he's come so many times, and he's always been so um, uh, generous with his time. And in 2012, he said, you know what, if I'm coming, why don't I bring my guitar again, and then this time instead of just playing like one song, I'll play you guys a concert. So we had our own private Jay Sanko concert. Wow. About an hour long, played a bunch of stuff from uh, you know his solo career, uh, stuff from his career with the Northern Pikes, uh, and then of course things from Do South, including you know cabin music, uh, and including the Do South theme again. So that was you know that was pretty amazing. Uh, and then we did 2000, and then we had another convention in uh, in 2014. So another you know you're, you're looking at another two year gap. Uh, and 2014 was the 20th anniversary of the show, right? Uh, first aired, depending on how you count it, but essentially first started airing uh, on TV in 1994, so 20 years. So we said, you know what? Let's do a uh, final convention, 20 years, go out in style, that kind of yeah. thing. Actually, some videos on YouTube about that we put together to advertise it, and that's exactly what we're saying. Okay, let's go out in style, you know, one final sort of convention. Um, and we had, in 2014, interestingly enough, was the convention, other than the conventions in the 90s, was the convention where we had the most attendees. We had, we reached our cap of 100 attendees in uh, 2014, so lots of people showed up. Um, and it's amazing how people show up, you know, it's not just from Canada and the U.S. and I guess the U.K., because the U.K. is you know, a fairly popular spot for Do South fans, but we had people from... Uh, you know, Italy and Germany and Belgium, Australia. Uh, we've had somebody from Russia attend. Uh, we've had people from Sweden. Uh, and, and I apologize in advance because I know I'm forgetting a couple of countries. But we've had like a variety of countries show up to these events, uh, and it's pretty cool. It's really really cool. Um, so yeah, we had a we we reached our cap of 100 people in uh, in, in 2014. We had another uh, another amazing event. Uh, again, you know, doing the kinds of things that uh, that, that I said we did, you know, games and guest panels and and hearing from a variety of people, uh, not just the crew, not just the cast, but the crew as well. And, and I guess that's one thing where uh, uh, sometimes they find it a little hard to believe that we're so interested in hearing the crew's perspective. I remember people saying, "I'm just, you know, I'm just a writer. I'm just, no, we want to hear. We, we yeah, want to yeah, that's how, that's how you get into the show is by seeing all these different angles and like what what's it like in the writers room when you're envisioning this versus what it gets to on the screen when we see it. Well, that, well, that's it, right? Uh, so, so they were pretty cool. You know, we do uh, we do autograph sessions with the uh, the guests if if they're willing to do them. Uh, and uh, and I remember we were asking, I think it was in 2014, where we were uh, we were asking those guys saying, you know, will you stay for autographs? And they're like, you want me to stay for autographs? But I was just, you know, an, uh, 
uh, I, I was just uh, an editor on the show or whatever. I'm like, no, yeah, we actually we want <laughs> we're just as interested in you as as anybody else, right? Uh, and, uh, and and it's pretty cool. I mean, again, I think that that helps with the atmosphere between uh, between the different people that show up, right? Um, so yeah, so 2014, great success as well. But uh, you know, we twenty years, we were pretty exhausted. Uh, and we just kind of let it, uh, we, we kind of let it go. And then uh, when 2018 came around, um, we said, well, you know, 2019 is 25 years. And then we sort of talked it over our, our little group of, uh, of about five people and I. So the same people that essentially have been helping out with organizing since 2010. But I, I think you get a little itch every so many years. Like just when well, you said it's the last one. one. And, and always helps us out, um, and, uh, and and we made that happen. 
back and, and, and drumming over a while. And then we even had uh, we had some some recurring guests. So again, Catherine Brouillet, who's a great friend of the convention, uh, came by. Uh, Tom Melissus, uh, people like that. And then and then we had some new people, right? We had some uh, we had uh, you know on the editing side, on the directing side, we had people that we uh, you know David, David Thompson, people like that that we've never. Um, never seen before. We had uh, uh, um, uh, Christina Cox, uh, who, who guest starred in a couple of episodes. Vault and uh, Ed Free Willie, uh, who came by. You know, p- p- really interesting people, uh, and really good discussions about Do South, but also uh, really great discussions uh, about just Canadian film industry and television industry and some of the undercurrents and what went on then and what's going on. Uh, uh, nowadays, um, you know, Chris, uh, people like uh, Chris Molson and Jackie Alexander Molson, uh, uh, production assistant and, um, and, and, and location uh, manager and stuff like that, you know, people that we, we hadn't really, you know, talked to before and they brought, brought a whole new perspective on this. And it's amazing how, you know, we like to see them. But they love to see each other as well, right? They haven't yeah. seen each other in, in, in many years, and it was uh, it, it was great to see that uh, how much they actually you know enjoy seeing each other. And and the thing which uh, yeah, Ramon and, uh, <laughs> Ramona Milano uh, said when I was interviewing her uh, a little while back, she was saying it's kind of like just so wonderful when she gets these conventions. She looks out and she realizes there's people in the audience who weren't born when Two South was on. And that's just a wonderful experience for them to know that uh, this thing that they worked on, you know, that they loved, but it's so many years ago now, still is finding a new audience to this day. Well, and Ramona is, is like, amazing, right? Oh. Uh, and she's such a, another great person. I mean, they're all they're all great. I can't, I can't say that, that enough. But uh, Ramona's amazing. Uh, and we've had, you know, we've had her at the convention and, you know, she was there in the 90s. Uh, but since I started doing it in 2008, we've had her, I think, three times at the convention and some, some great panels. You know, you think about having a panel with Ramona Milano, Tony Craig, Tom Melissus, Catherine Brouillet, Camilla Scott, like on one panel, right? I mean, yeah, uh, th- that, that's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and, and that's just one example. Uh, and, uh, and and she just brings like, you know, she lights up the room and she brings like so much to it. But I remember back in 2010, um, she actually asked a question. She said, you know, who, who here, uh, who's, who's under 30 here? And a bunch of people, you know, raised their hand. Who's under 25? And, you know, who's under 20? <laughs> you know, so, and, and she took this, this really funny picture with the, uh, uh, the two youngest, uh, the two youngest people in the room who were, I think at the time, like something like, you know, 16 and 18 or 17 and 18 or something like that. And she's like, you guys weren't even born when... <laughs> <laughs> And I believe if you're a fan of Romana's, uh, Romana's, uh, Ramona's uh, from the UK, I believe we have to call her uh, where her fan goes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <she's okay>. <laughs> Listen back to the interview if you don't get that reference, people. But uh, yeah, um, it's just just so wonderful how it's still bringing these communities together and how uh, it just just gives these uh, these stars who we love so much a chance to reminisce and uh, to, to see how much we can like uh, still loving the show after all this time. 
both ways. And again, it's one of those things as to why, you know, why does this work? Why does an event like, you know, first of all, why does GSAB bring, bring now these feelings of, you know, friendship and so forth? And why does an event like RCWA One Train Iron work? Uh, it's because it's it's because it's both ways, right? Everybody appreciates each other, uh, and and everybody fundamentally is there. And there's, there's you know there's an undercurrent of of relationships and friendships, and, and I mean this is what we all want, right? We all we all want to be around people that we like uh, spending time with, and, and and that we develop interesting relationships with, right? And this is this is what I think our CW One Train Nine has really brought to people. And, uh, you know, one we were doing the uh, quiz yesterday, which if anyone hasn't caught it, go over to the Due uh, South by Southeast page where we, we've got a nice little quiz, which we did. So uh, we try not to give away any of the answers before we tell them so you can play along still. Uh, so it's very interactive. And we're going to do one uh, next Saturday, so please tune in. Um, but, yeah, one thing we were, we were saying is uh, it seems like you, you have these on kind of important anniversaries and you were saying about kind of getting people so they're prepared to buy tickets and stuff. So... I mean, it seems about time to sort of like talk about the 30th anniversary, just just from our point, from what we were saying the other day. <laughs> so, so are, you, are, you, are you talking about another convention? Is that what you're I'm just about? saying, like, John and I were saying that, you know, if, if you fancy doing one for the 30th, you know. Well, you know, uh, I, guess we've, uh, I guess we've never said, uh, we've never said never, where every time we've tried, uh, we've always done another event at some point, so... Um, uh, so, so I don't know really is, is the answer here, uh, and certainly nothing in the uh, in the immediate future that that I can guarantee you. But uh, well, one of the things that's interesting, and, and Tom, I think it was Tom Bellis that said that he said you could, you know, you don't need conventions anymore, uh, you, because you've created these communities and you've created these relationships between people. So the conventions are kind of a, a, a nice thing for people to come together, but you don't need them saying and I agree but still come on come on we're going to talk you into this let's <laughs> start the campaign now Attendance and things like that, but you know, 
it's somewhere in the vicinity of $25,000. So if you can fundraise $25,000 Canadian, uh, <laughs> then uh, then uh, I, you got it. I'll, uh, I'll organize another event for you. Okay, guys, the Kickstarter starts here. That's all I'm going to say. Before I let you go, Stefan, we've had a few comments while we've been talking, so I'm just going to read a few of them out for you. Uh, so we've got uh, Martin Pugh. It's great that these panels have been captured on video and shared, including Paul's interview last year, which sadly I couldn't make. I uh, was legendary. Um, Deb Salisbury has uh, said Mark Ruffalo should be added to that list of the people we've uh, mentioned the guest stars. Oh, we didn't even scratch the surface, but of course they had the Hulk in, in due south over the years. Um, and uh, I think John's website was something like due south lives. That's from Martin again. That's right. Yeah, due south lives. And, and uh, both uh, Deb and Martin are people that, uh, that, I know, that I know very well that we've met through the, uh, through the convention. Uh, and uh, and Martin's uh, Martin's mother, who sadly passed away in uh, in 2014, uh, was a great, great, great supporter of uh, of, of the conventions, of the show, uh, and just a great, great person. Oh, good shout out to to all of you and to to uh, to Martin's mum there then. Um, and uh, Karen Ellery said hello. Uh, Deb says uh, said thanks for arranging the Facebook live. Oh, that's uh, totally our pleasure. And uh, we've just got uh, loads of hellos and thank yous. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in throughout this conversation. Uh, thank you to everyone from my uh, Dick Squeeze Show page who got surprised with this Facebook Live today. And to those in due south who, who found this uh, when I actually on the wrong page. It happens. What can I say? I'm not a te- technological whiz, as I think I've proved here today. This is why I usually work in audio. This video stuff's new to me. Hey, it sounds like it worked out pretty well. It's worked out really well, and thank you very much for sparing your time today and for everything you've done uh, for the uh, GSAF community and for arranging these events and bringing all these people together. Like, I don't think my show probably wouldn't have half the listeners if it wasn't for bringing these people together already in the community. Well, you know, we, we, it, it's great, and uh, it, you know, it certainly is my pleasure uh, and, uh, and uh, our little team that, uh, that put these together, and uh, it, it's, it is rewarding to it is rewarding for us to see the community that's grown from it, uh, and uh, you know, not to take uh, not to take too much credit for, for what's happened. I mean, people people develop their relationships with people, but you know, to have been to, to have been able to be a part of that and to see that to this day, this is still ongoing and still important for for a number of people, uh, is uh, I think is great to see. Thank you once again, and. Uh... For anyone who's listening right now, uh, as I say, one o'clock, it's going to be next Saturday, UK time. Uh, please work out your own time zones. Uh, just like UK, we've got one time zone, so it's very easy to just look up like uh, London time and, and you'll have it. Uh, but we're going to do a G-South quiz again on uh, our G-South page. I promised to write it up on the right one, so it's G-South by Southeast for anyone who wants to join us there. And just thank you very much, everyone, for watching. Until next Saturday now, uh, keep your compasses pointed due south by Southeast. Thanks, Stefan.